Bring it in. It's been a week. Things have happened. I'm in different places. Lots been going on. We have an NBA champion. We have U.S. Open champion. Uh, and the whole crew is back together here. Congratulations. The Golden State Warriors are your NBA champions of the 2022 Another NBA one. season. Another one, Scotty. We're going to get to you as you're battling the, the vid right now. Uh, yeah. But nothing's going to keep you down, uh, as the old 80s song suggests, uh, and an amazing U.S. Open as well. I'm currently at the Beach House. I've been on my first vacation in four years, um, which is pretty crazy. First That's vacation. Uh, yeah, been, been up here for almost a week. I'll, I head back on Wednesday. Um, so between that, I also had a friend surprise visit on Friday when I was going to re- record the pod. And so whenever that happens with a college friend, you end up getting hammered scott uh vito you had a wedding with one of our og most uh listen long time listeners jt that's right our boy jt jordan haas uh out in kansas city getting married his beautiful bride emily they're heading to italy soon and hopefully i might run into him out there but congrats jt uh we love congrats, you man JT. and, and uh yeah, well long time listener always always hitting us up about stuff so love you, that. you know we get these you know we get a map on uh for the pod statistics and there's always a very dark red circle around kansas city and i know a few people out there who who listen here and there but mahomes yeah yeah well obviously i mean him and travis kelsey both are avid listeners to the pod but uh what's funny is i never i never knew who that was until vito and i were talking the other day and he said he was out in kansas city and we put the pieces together so jt congrats to you and your beautiful bride enjoy italy hope the wedding went great um but boys we got a lot of stuff to get into here mm-hmm. um first and foremost scotty i'm just gonna give you the floor buddy you know what um we we dump on boston all the time for being a successful sports city and winning more championships and san francisco should get just as much but they're kind of in that sweet spot where they've been to this was their 13th championship they've been to since the year 2000 in this millennium uh, and I believe it's what the the sixth or seventh that they've won. So San Francisco hanging another banner. Steph Curry seventh, yeah, joining uh, elite company. How I know uh, you said yourself like Friday was a rough hangover for you. You have COVID now, but the spirits still seem pretty high. I'm still hungover. Well, today's parade day, uh, so I was it just is. watching that. I'm on a bit of a high there. Um, all the players are obliterated, by the way, not the least of which is Draymond, <laughs> who's just walking around the streets of San Francisco with a, a bottle of Lobos tequila, which he sponsors. Um, just it's it's unreal. And I've, I've said this um, to a number of people, including you guys. This one feels special, like almost more special than the first one. Um, two years ago, we had we were 15 and 50. We had the worst record in the league. We had no clay. We had no Steph. KD had just left after winning back-to-back championships. Uh, and then the, the 2019 as well. And yeah. With the Raptors and Clay and KD yeah, both getting and, hurt. Exactly. So Steph is hurt. Clay is hurt. Uh, and we, we make uh, uh, a couple of moves to get young guys like Juan Toscano Anderson, uh, who did an amazing job. Gary Payton, the second, who was at the beginning of the season applying to be the video director. Uh, yeah. for the Golden State Warriors and ended up 
with a with a ten day, and then uh, and then signing a, a full fledged contract uh, with the Warriors, now NBA champion, um, and then moves that we've made to get role players, guys like Otto Porter, um, who who stepped up and played uh, amazing on both ends of the floor uh, in in for sure the last two series, uh, but all throughout the playoffs. Um, and, and on top of that, you've got the guys you've drafted, right? Looney, uh, who is going to be coveted by just about every team that needs a big man this season in the offseason. Kevon Looney, the development he's made. I, I, I mean, he, he's been a role player, been banged up, not been able to, to play. He was, uh, you know, out for a, a full year uh, with, with surgery himself, too. So uh, for him to come in and, and the defense he played against Jokic and then against uh, against Luca, uh, and, and against the, the big guys that Memphis had in the, in the second round. Uh, and then the way he played uh, against, uh, Jason Tatum and, and Robert Williams and, and Al Horford in the finals, uh, not, not a, a bad word to say about him. Just unbelievable. Jordan Poole, the growth that he's made, uh, this season. And then of course, you know, all of those guys were a part of the journey to get here that, that, nobody thought we would we would get back to and it starts at the top with Steph Dre and Clay Thompson uh all three finally healthy all three still in their mid to late 30s uh it, depending on your definition playing at an elite level um whether it's it's on one end of the ball with Draymond defensively um uh or, or and even offensively at times and then Steph and Clay uh, finally clicking and being the splash brothers that they are. But the guy who has impressed me the most this entire postseason, the guy who was talked about as the worst trade in our entire history was Andrew Wiggins. Yeah. Who after, after being a considered a bust as a first round pick uh, was, was a, you know, a, a guy on the, on the Timberwolves who were, who were not one of the better teams in the NBA. Uh, but you've heard how like even guys like Jimmy Butler talk about him. Uh, and then for, for what we gave up to get him the way he's fit in with, with the Warriors uh, just to, as a whole. And the guy's gotten so much better at basketball being on this team and, and is an unbelievable talent and, and uh, just an, 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 an amazing warrior. Um, through and through and, and for him to, to finally get one uh, with the likes of, of Steph and clay uh, and Draymond as well. So I'm just, I'm super proud, super pumped. Um, oh, geez, here it goes. Um, oh, geez. but, uh, but yeah, man, you would think uh, man, you'd never won a championship. It's special. No, decade. man, you've won it's seven. <laughs> no, it I know. is. It's, 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 and I don't mean I, I'm, I'm busting your balls here. It, <laughs> You, everything you said is super valid, right? And, and it's cool because this is the first time in the year and a half we've been doing the pod, almost two years that we've been podcasting as a threesome, that any of our teams have won a championship. That's right. Um, and then we've been able to kind of do this on the pod. So it's a, it's a big moment for the pod. It's a big moment for you, Scotty. And the Warriors, I, I've always been a big a big fan of the Warriors. I've always loved Steve Kerr as a coach. I, I don't think, you know, we we talked earlier in the series about whether or not, you know, they should be benching Clay Thompson or playing him in big minutes because he looked so bad in those first two games. And 
amazingly enough, of the big three, that wasn't even the one that they ended up benching, right? Like we asked, uh, is Steve Kerr's have going to have the balls? He's going to have the guts to make a move like that when he has to. And he did, but it was with benching Draymond in yeah, game, yeah. what was it, game five, you know? And and that decision was huge. Um, and, and not to discredit Wiggins or anyone else, we can get into some of that in a little bit. This is the Steph Curry title. Like oh, this, yeah. this is if beyond anything else. This is Steph Curry fully cementing himself. Not that he needed it to anyone who pays attention and genuinely likes basketball. Because, look, if you're a LeBron guy, and one of my roommates right now is a Sixers fan, but he's also a LeBron guy, right? He hates the Warriors, and he hates that he has to kind of like Steph Curry because he doesn't want to like Steph Curry, but that's how likable he is. And so for years, it was always that bullshit of like, well, he's never won a finals MVP, right? Because in 15, they gave it to Iguodala, which was stupid anyway. It should have gone to Steph. But this, this whole run, and, and you saw it on stage when, they're, when they are announcing and the deputy commissioner, because Silver is out with COVID, right? When the deputy commissioner is about to hand out the Bill Russell finals MVP award and the whole in team. In Boston. Yeah, in <laughs> Boston. But the whole team is getting so excited to hear Steph Curry's name be called. Yeah. And you saw in the moment when when the clocks when the clock hit zero and Steph is on his knees crying on the court, right? Like that and and that's why I was so amazed when you said that Scotty because I feel like there's been a lot of Warriors fans who've shared the same sentiment. It's that I don't know if this one is better. This definitely isn't the best team. I actually think it's probably the worst team that they've yeah, had this arguably. title. But I do think there's a significance to it that cements this team, its history, the people who said that the 17 and 18 titles meant less because they got KD and the amount of hate that they got from an already extremely likable team that they were in yeah. 15 and 16. Um, obviously, the disappointment in the 16 finals going 72 and nine and then or 72, whatever the record was, 73 and nine, um, and then ultimately coming up short. I I love this, this outcome in the end of it, right? Because you have this Golden State team and a player like Steph who has not put himself in the conversation of legitimately probably top 10 all-time player. Um, and if not, he's 11, you know? He's not five. He's, he's top After 10. After he wins two more rings, he will. It, look, if he, if he wins a couple more rings, if he gets the five, I mean, right now I think – I still have him behind Kobe, and I think Kobe's probably about nine on my list. And I think I think you have to put Steph right there at ten, right behind him. So th this is how, that's how I will remember this this finals run, this Golden State reemergence after everything they had. Remember too, there were a lot of people who said they needed to package Wiggins and Wiseman and Kaminga and these young people and go out and get Bradley Beal. Go out and get another, you know, star player to go with these two guys. And credit to Bob Myers and to Joe Lakeham. Yeah. I mean, and the money that Joe Lakeham had to eat, like the Kelly Oubre contract that was probably eighty-five million dollars out of his yeah. con, con, out of his pocket. You know, for a guy just trusting that eventually Steph, Draymond, Clay, and Steve Kerr, that core four was going to get them there. Uh, Vito, as a resident of a California fan base for a lot of your life. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, you love Golden State. Your ties to Clay Thompson went to the same high school. All that stuff. Uh, how are you? How will you remember this titles run? 
as someone who knows that area pretty well and and obviously as a fan of someone like Clay Thompson. Well, I, I think to speak to that specifically to Clay, I, I think this is what makes this one so awesome is he was out for almost a thousand days, right? 900 yep. something days, comes back towards the end of the season. And we all knew he's not going to be the same. I mean, if you watched the last dance, Jordan wasn't the same after still playing a major sport and being gone for that long, you know, or for less time. Yeah. Right. And that's Jordan, what Jordan played injury. another sport for less time than Clay Thompson was gone Let's yeah. put it that way. So you Let's knew that it. he was going to like, obviously have some issues, but the, there's something about those guys, those core people you just said, and it, it's really great in a sport where there is so much free agency and, and the big threes that come and go and, Oh, we're going to go here and there. I mean, how many teams, I guess only one, but like Durant's moved around, right? Like LeBron, all these guys you're talking about, you know, people who have been drafted by golden state who have been there, who are their guys who have now through a long period of time, this isn't just, Oh, we got hot and we have great shooters when they're young and it, and it bubbles out and fizzes out. This is, what now Scott four and eight years. Is that, am I correct there? Correct. And yeah. so that's, that's, you know, sustained greatness. Um, that's hard to do. And it's really impressive just to see what clay Thompson's impact could be just even coming back and being a human being in that room. You got to remember, right. This isn't a video game where you can just hit a button and everyone's going to shoot and, and it's probably going to go in based on their percentages. This, these are people. And I think his mindset um, that's one of people, of the things people always bring up when they talk about clay Thompson is his attitude, his mindset. Um, and there's always posts of him after like he sucked in a game, he'll be like in the ocean, just like nothing solves, you know, nothing heals wounds like salt water or something like that. And just like, he, he just, he's always that kind of guy having him with Steph, I think makes Steph be- just a better person and, and the confidence of those guys and what they instill in everyone else, even if they're not at their best, Right. Because this was not Clay Thompson's best series. This was not, I would even argue, Steph's best series, even though he's MVP. Now, right? th- this was this was Steph's best finals performance. Yeah. I, I I think for sure. Um, but to your point though, Vito, like this wasn't them necessarily at the like Steph unanimous MVP season Steph. Right. Exactly. This is not his him and his prime. It, he, it's an amazing, incredible performance. Like it might be to your point. Maybe it is his best finals performance of all time, but it's definitely not the Warriors best performance of all time. And it's definitely, I think a team that will be remembered now as when they were first starting off, right? Everyone thinks of Jordan as a winner and Kobe as a winner, right? These, these guys who have like the only way to do it is be this cutthroat mentality and all that stuff. Cause even, even right. The Spurs, when you talk about them, it's like, what a great team. And Popovich just knows what to do. And they're a great team. They're a great team. They, and they win a lot. Yeah, they're one of the best winning te- franchises of all time. But for some reason, you're not looking at Tim Duncan as like, oh, what a great winner and competitor. For some reason, right? That's not discussed when you're the adjectives that are said it's a about gr- him. It's a, and that's a great point. And what I would say there is, I, and I've been thinking about this a lot, actually, over the last few days since they've won. Because I've been obviously, I've been consuming a lot of content. And I really do think that there are two different types of all-time superstar type players in the NBA. Right. You have players who will their teams to championships and then you have players who establish culture and inherently based off of their unselfishness, make players around them better. Right. Because like LeBron's a great example of why this is and because I got to come up with a good way to phrase it. And I've, I just haven't been able to able to. But like LeBron to me is in the will category. Like he had, he willed 
that 2016 team to mm -hmm. come back three, one to beat the Cavs, right. Or yeah. to beat the warriors with the Cavs. Um, and yet when you watch LeBron play, you say, yeah, but LeBron makes everybody around him better. And that's because it's, it's like, but he's the one driving the bus that's getting you there. Um, and, and you would say the same thing about Michael Jordan. You'd say the same thing about Kobe, particularly in the 29 or 2009, 2010 mm -hmm. seasons. And then you have the Tim Duncans. Yeah. Right. And then you have the Steph Curry's. You have a, a, a going back all the way, like Bill Russell was that way. Like Bill Russell could have been the most dominant offensive player during that time, even going up against Will Chamberlain. Like he had that skill set, but he put everything he had on defense. And yeah, playing with Bob Cousy and other, you know, greats from that era to help propel them to that level. But there are guys who will their teams and then there are guys who take that more unselfish approach where it's like, I'm playing my role here, but because mm -hmm. I'm so good at what I do in my role in this offense, it makes everybody else better. You know, we talked a lot about that, about the gravity around, and that's kind of the word. It's these gravity players. Tim Duncan was the same way offensively. Yeah. He was so good on the low post. He was so good from the elbows in that if you kind of, it's almost the reverse of what they do with Steph where Steph factors everything from his constant motion and his, his range and what he can do and affect players from the outside, Tim Duncan, he did the same thing, but everything from the interior, right? Because yeah. everything else around him, he just drew so much attention to him, but it was all a, a, co a key cog, right? It was all a part in the, in the overall rotation. And I think that's what, why people love Tim Duncan. People love the the badass Mamba mentality, killer Jordan, LeBron, all that stuff too. But there is something about when you are the main key cog in a system that is only works because of you. That like I look, I love Andrew Wiggins and what he did, and he deserves all the credit in the world. But the love for him and oh my god, he's this great player. But and how it's gotten too far post-championship which happens every time a team with yeah. a championship right yeah. like david ross people are like oh is david ross gonna be the best catcher and best hitting catcher in baseball it's like after the, the the red sox won in his last year it's like no dude the dude's like 40 years old like you know what i mean like let's pump the brakes a little <laughs> bit okay like when you have these runs on the biggest stage people then think that that's what you bring to the table every single time and for as as amazing as wiggins performed i don't think wiggins is as good on any of the other 29 NBA teams as he is on the Golden State Warriors. And that goes back to Steph Curry. And I think this year and this season is the absolute epitome and the perfect example of the gravity that surrounds Steph Curry and that offense. And, and Clay's been a benefactor of it. Draymond's been a benefactor of it. Like, I think both those guys would be great players in the NBA on other teams. I don't think they're Hall of Famers. I don't think Clay, who should have been a top 75 player in it, you know, on the NBA 75 list, he got mm -hmm. snubbed. He should have been there. But if Clay played for the Sixers or played for someone else, uh, to be honest, I don't think Clay's probably talked about in that same light. And that's no slight to him. He's a shooter and he's one of the best of all time. But it's more of a credit to that's what Steph Curry does. And that's why, like, when I think about this series forever and when they won, the overarching thought in my brain was, this is Steph Curry going from a top 25 player of all time to I need to be considered one of the all-time greats in the history of the NBA. I agree. And I, th and I think that's what he's done. I mean, he I, averaged 
31, six and five in this series by yeah, far no. his best stat line in an NBA finals. And that's with an O. I mean, by the way, this is the craziest stat of all from Steph Curry broke the record for three pointer shot in an NBA finals and uh, percentage wise. Right. But the minimum has to be over 50%. So he shot um, 43.7% from three point during the NBA finals. That's including a game that he went 0 for 9. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that wild? Oh, man. Like, Dude. that. that is insane levels of, of efficiency, but also just, like, he – and think about going back to that crazy game four, right? When, when they – going into game four, because we did a podcast that day. Yeah. Going into that game, I was like – I'm still leaning the Warriors, but like only by a little bit because Boston looked that good. And Scotty said you, too, like whoever wins that game is probably going to come out of this. Well, and too, because it was like we said that's a must win. Golden State had to win that. They were down 2 1, and Boston yeah. looked like the better team through three games. Yep. But the one thing we did say too, and I want to get to some of the Boston stuff here in a little bit, but the fact that Boston looked tired from that game it, it, it was a broken will moment it was here's a young team with a 24 year old 24 year old budding superstar in J- jason tatum who just doesn't quite have enough to get past the experience and still the dominance that steph curry can have on a game in game out night yeah and like that's people talk about him in that series not having any heart uh imagine having gone through the playoffs having beaten three straight mvps um and then you know to get to the finals and then face steph curry clay thompson and draymond green like i i I get it the finals aren't an easy road but that like we like we said that game four was demoralizing um and so you knew in game five and six he had to put the team on his back um, and he's playing hurt too. I mean, everybody is, but he looks extra banged up. And I, I, I think, and I was telling some of my, my, uh, Celtics friends that, uh, fans who friends of mine who are fans of the Celtics, this, that like, they're good, man. They got this far with the 24 year old Jason Tatum. Uh, Jalen Brown is emerging as, as a really, uh, a big superstar. Um, and then, you know, on the back end, like Robert Williams is, is no slouch when he's healthy, even when he's banged up, he's really good. Um, but that team, that team is good. And the market's smart, of course, too, but they got a lot of role players. I think they're, they're a, a step away, uh, but the experience, I mean, this is, this is where that comes in, right? They got, they got the experience that they were lacking um, uh, going into this series and especially against a team as tough as the Warriors were. The, the Boston thing is interesting. I I don't like judging losing teams in NBA finals. Sorry, you cut out there real quick. Sorry, no, it's the 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 Boston thing is is interesting to me because I don't like counting out losing teams from the NBA finals. Right? When you when you're the losing team on the NBA in the NBA finals, mm-hmm. we are very quick, particularly in today's world of sports media, where we want to bury you immediately. Right. Yeah. And like, it's like, oh, what do you need to do to get better? Are they right, going to blow? Like, yeah. It's like one game happens and go from talking about Jason Tatum as 
you know, he was first team all NBA this year. He was top five in MVP voting, right? Like Mm -hmm. we go from talking about these guys in one light to then like, Oh, well, they just don't have it. They don't have the clutch factor. (laughs) They don't have this, you know? And it's like, that's not really how it works, man. Like if you look at the, the careers of guys who, what they've accomplished by age 24, right? Like Jordan didn't get to a finals till he was 28. LeBron didn't get, got to one finals, didn't win a championship until he was 27. Um, Steph didn't win a championship until he was 27. Uh, you know, you can go through the list and he, by the way, was second all time for a 24 year old in playoff minutes. And the only other one that was ahead of him was Tayshawn Prince, who was like the fourth option and was a young buck did nothing, but he was a three and D guy for the Detroit Pistons during the 2004 season when they won the title. Right. And they didn't ask him to do half as much as what Jason Tatum was being asked to do. They ended up sweeping. It was the most competitive sweep of all time, but they sweep Kyrie and KD, right? Which is no easy task to do against the Brooklyn Nets. They come back from being down three to two to the defending champs and Giannis, and he puts up 46 points (laughs) in a game six to force a game seven in Boston. He did that on the road in Milwaukee and then comes back and they win game seven. They go to the Eastern Conference Finals and then they go seven games against a really, really tough Heat team. Now, there's a lot of there's a lot to be hopeful for about Tatum. I do think Tatum was banged up. I don't think it was a super serious injury. I think we would have heard it by now if there was, um, because I think they would have wanted to use that as an escape, as an excuse as quickly as possible. But there is still a lot of reason for optimism in Boston. The, the, the thing that's got to be scary if you're a Boston fan is looking at the Eastern Conference. Is looking yeah. at, okay, well, we have uh, Milwaukee. Because Chris Middleton's in that series in, in the semi Eastern Conference semis. And I to be honest, I think, I think the Bucs are probably the best team in the league. I, as much as I love Golden State, I don't know if Golden State gets past Giannis. I don't know how they would have had an answer for that. Maybe they would have, but I just think that series would have been completely different. And I still think Milwaukee was probably the best team in the league, but you know, you know, if, if what's the, if butts and ifs were candies and whatever, whatever that fucking weird expression is. Um, <laughs> ifs and butts were candies and nuts. There you go. That one. And then there's another part of that line that I'd never remember. Um, but that's the thing too. It's like, so this is what happened. We know what happened. All right. Chris Middleton wasn't there and Boston won the game. They won the series. They found a way to get through. They beat Miami. They were there. But you look at what the rest of this Eastern Conference is for Boston moving forward, and it's going to be Miami again, who's more than likely going to move on from Kyle Lowry or at least retool in some direction, some form or facet. Uh, you're going to have another year of Milwaukee with Drew Holiday, who was a pain in the ass for Boston. You're going to get Chris Middleton back, and you still have Giannis, who's the best player in the league. You're going to get whatever the hell happens with Philly, and if nothing else, you're dealing with Joel Embiid. Right. And if James Harden does have some sort of second half of his career renaissance and actually gets in shape, I mean, who knows? Sixers could be dangerous. Uh, who knows what the hell is going to happen with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving? Doesn't look as of now, it doesn't look like Kyrie's going back to Brooklyn. It looks like they're going to move on in some way. But if KD's still in Brooklyn, then that's going to be a problem too. Right. And Atlanta, who knows what's going to happen? Like there's just a lot of what ifs. And on the other side for Golden State, you look at the future there, there's some teams that are young. Obviously, Memphis and Dallas are two yeah. young and upcoming teams, but Dallas still needs to make some moves. Like, they just traded for Christian Wood last week. I don't think that's going to help Dallas all of a sudden get over the top. 
if Christian Woods in that series against Golden State, does that all of a sudden put them in the uh, NBA Finals? I don't think so. I mean, DeAndre Ayton's probably not going to go back to Phoenix. And then it's just whatever the hell happens with Memphis. So I think Golden State's more likely to repeat. But if Boston, you, I think if you're a fan, as much as you do have promise because of how good Tatum was, I think you do kind of have to sit there and go like, this might have been our chance. I mean, think about the, the, the one that keeps getting brought up is the Oklahoma City Thunder team with Russ and KD yeah. and James Harden. Mm-hmm. And they never made it back either. And, and that team blew up. And, and you wonder if any of these guys, I mean, you always knew someone was going to leave that team. <clears throat> but I don't think personally, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't think that a lot of us realized that they would all go be MVP candidates on their own right. Right. Like, MVPs. They all won. Yeah, I'm sorry. Not candidates. Yeah. There all are three MVPs. of them won an MVP at some point. And, and that's what's funny, right? Imagine if this Warriors team, what if what if that flipped? What if the Warriors broke up and Clay and Draymond and Steph all go other mm. places and win MVPs, but the the Oklahoma City Thunder stick together and win four out of eight? Like I, we're talking, and, and maybe that's why, you know, at that point we'd be like, man, Clay is this all-star incredible guy, but you know what? He can't win one. It's just so wild how, to your point, the conversations and how the GMs work in this business and how players might demand something can change the whole narrative of history. And that's why it's so impressive for an organization to put all these egos aside, like the Warriors have to win so much. I'm, I, I know we're trying to get on to Boston. I just, it's so impressive to compare those, right? Like to your point, well, hopefully Boston does stay together and takes the, the Warriors path, but it, if they don't, it can happen quick. And I don't think Boston is, is is in as much jeopardy as that Oklahoma City team was. Right. You know, I could see a divorce at some point between Jalen and Tatum. Um, I mean, Jalen Brown needs to learn how to dribble a fucking basketball. <laughs> like it, it's yeah. in, it is legitimately and, and what he's not not taking eight steps. <laughs> it is legitimately incredible to me that Jalen Brown can drop forty in playoff games and be the arguably the worst ball handler on the court. You know, like Al Horford, I've seen bring the ball up more confidently than Jalen Brown. And Jalen Brown coming into the league was this incredibly raw prospect who had a ton of upsides athletically. The free throw percentages and stuff were good, which is usually for college players who aren't good shooters. A good indicator as to whether or not they can eventually develop into one is how do they shoot from the free throw line. He was like 80% from the free throw line in college. So there was hope for it. He's turned into a very good three-point shooter. He's obviously a very good defensive guy. He can get to the rim when he needs to. And then he hits these step backs that are awesome. But that to me is like, as for as good as Jalen has been, the guy that needs to take that next step is Tatum. Because Tatum can do things at his size and length and handle that Jalen Brown just can't do. And the thing is, is like, I don't think Jalen is the kind of guy who's like, look like just like Russ, like Russ hated being second fiddle to KD. Yeah. I don't think Jalen Brown is that way. I think Jalen Brown likes to play with Tatum. I think they've had frustrations over the year years, but Tatum's also not as good as KD was even at 24, 25 years old. And, and Tatum played 500 more minutes this season than the next closest player in the NBA. So like the dude was gassed i mean think about that including playoffs he played 500 more minutes than the next most that anyone else in the entire nba played it's incredible i mean that's like 10 that's like 10 games worth of extra minutes (laughs) so i 
ultimately I think Boston is still in a good spot. Like the experience is good, but there is also that, like, we just saw it with Phoenix last year, right? The Phoenix team this year, they were the best team in basketball all throughout the regular season. And then they imploded during the playoffs. Um, I've heard comparisons and cross sport comparisons are always kind of dangerous in terms of like legitimacy, but in the NBA, typically getting to the finals is a sign of brighter things to come. But I do wonder for this particular situation, if this will have more of like, you know, the Atlanta Falcons after blowing the 28 to three kind of thing, you know, where obviously the loss isn't as dramatic, right? But, that team went into kind of a shell of itself and, and hasn't come out since then back when what was that 2017, 2016, 2017. So I, I don't know what to expect from Boston. Um, but I will say the golden state warriors deserve every ounce of praise. Um, and Steve Kerr, nine championships yeah. as a player and a coach. That's nuts. Um, the yeah. owner, the ownership being willing to float a $320 million tab for their team for this year. Uh, they do it the right way, man. And Bob Myers, and I love Steve Kerr pulling up Bob Myers on the stage yeah. um, and being like, this guy does not get enough credit. Like, this is the guy we need to be talking about because the Wiseman picked it hasn't worked out yet, at least. And there were a lot of but people. He's still 19. Like, <laughs> Well, and Scotty, like, do you think, obviously as a fan, you, you follow them close anyway. Do you think Golden State, wins a title this year if they pull the trigger with Kaminga and Wiggins and Wiseman to go get Bradley Beal? No. Because I don't think I don't. they do. No, I don't. And and again, but to to that point, that's where the credit comes for for Bob Myers too is yeah. recognizing that you have the guys that are going to uh continue to build on this culture that Steph and Clay and Draymond and everybody before them has already built. Uh, and, and so to hang on to guys like Kaminga and Moses Moody and James Wiseman, uh, like those, those are the, the moves that, that are hard to, to hang on to guys, you know, you have talent uh, when you know you can go get superstar status guys. Um, but, but if you have the, the, the right people and the people you know are going to fit into uh, your culture and your system, then, then why mess with it? Well, and I, and I love the commitment to Wiggins too, you know, I mean, they, they looked at Wiggins and said, you are the 2022 version of what Harrison Barnes was for us. Um, except, except yeah. they asked him to do more, you know, <clears throat> like, which, because clay wasn't clay yet. And I think clay will be better next year. I do too. The, the way he stepped up physically and defensively during that series was really impressive, particularly from games four through six, like those last three games, were completely different than games one through three. Uh, and, and he took the challenge. But Wiggins, like, anytime he was locked up on Tatum, like, Tatum just didn't did, – wanted no part of it. And he could not get a good a good shot off. And I think so much of that is a product of being in that organization. And we say it all the time, right? Like, when uh, a good slot receiver goes to the Patriots for all these years when Tom Brady was there, right? What do we say? It's like, oh, mm-hmm. dude's going to catch 100 balls. It's the next West Welcher. Yeah. Right. It's like that. Yep. That's just immediately what you said, because going same thing with the Spurs we did for years, uh, you know, in any one of those sports, you know, runs the, the Red Sox for a little while, the Giants as well, Scotty. Like mm-hmm. when you had a team that had sustained success over a five or six year run, 
and they would go and get it like a piece that if they signed with any other team, you would question it. But because they went to Golden State, you're like, yeah, but if Golden State's culture and the Steph Curry thing kind of make the most of it. And I think that if anything, that truly cemented this. Um, and I shout out to Andrew Wiggins. He's awesome. I do think we're overhyping him now. I do think it, the pendulum, as we always do, has swung too far the other way. But you know what, dude? You just want a fucking NBA championship. And if you mm-hmm. want to let it ride and be on cloud nine and live the life, take every ounce of it you can get um, because they deserve it, man. It was, it was an unbelievable series and, uh, and shout out to the golden State Warriors, Scotty uh, before we take a break and then we wrap up with a little golf talk here. Uh, any other final thoughts here? Uh, and are you, are you ready for a repeat next year? Is that, is that um, we're running it back? Right? We're running, we're it, running back. it back. Yeah. Uh, let's go. You have, have, the funniest thing to me has been like the Warriors keeping the receipts of everyone over oh the last God, two, yes. three years. They've been then, so petty. I love it. It's amazing, right? In in like the best way. And even like John Morant was was chirping on. Well, that's the thing, Twitter. dude. Like Memphis, I I love the young buck energy that Memphis has, but like at some point, like know your fucking role here, Ja and and Jaron Jackson and all you guys. All right, like. Yeah. Y'all still haven't won shit. You've won one playoff series and you're like in year number two of kind of being a solid team. All right. Yeah. Let's just pump the brakes. Cause we're talking about one of the best For runs sure. in the history of the NBA, For you know? Sure. And some of it, I, I do think is gamesmanship. I do think that there's, yeah. I do think there's mutual respect. Cause I even think uh, when Steph won the finals thing, job retweeted something in, uh, that was about Steph and said like top five all time. So I think there's plenty of, of admiration oh, yeah. but at the same time like come on now like yeah it's cool we'll run it back after yeah. we beat them in the conference finals next year let the dogs have their day right um awesome nba finals great nba season too really fun nice to have it back uh and we have the nba draft on thursday so uh we will we will uh, we'll be through. picking 30th <laughs> yeah uh we will go through some of that on the pod um we have not really touched on a whole lot of it this year. It's a really interesting draft. Chet Holmgren, Paolo, and uh, Jabari, uh, kind of those are the kind of the top three guys. Um, and then you have uh, Jaden Ivory from uh, Purdue, kind of lingering there at four. So really interesting draft. So I guess we'll, we might do a little reaction to that on Thursday night, but uh, we'll see. Um, all right, quick break. We're gonna come back, talk a little bit about the U.S. Open, and then we'll get you guys on the way to the rest of your week. All righty, so we uh, we had the U.S. Open this weekend. Uh, just a great, great section of the sports calendar. NBA Finals wrap up. You had Game One and Game Two of the Stanley Cup Finals, featuring a seven nothing blowout of the Colorado Avalanche over the Tampa Bay Lightning in Game Two. We'll see. Uh, we'll see if the Lightning, the two time defending champs, have a response. I'm excited to see how the rest of that kind of goes. No, nope. um, yes, baby. And then uh, we also have the U.S. Open on Sunday. Oh, just an electric tournament, an all-time golf club, uh, the country club. The history behind that, you know, the Disney movie, the greatest game ever played. Yeah. Um, Scotty or Vito, are you familiar? No. This was a movie, I think in like 2005, 2006-ish. Um, Shia LaBeouf plays, um, I forget the name of the golfer, but it was yes. set, set in 1913. And it was I, the first ever U.S. Open that was played at the country club where this year's was. And uh, he was a 15-year-old kid 
was a legitimate amateur and won the U.S. Open as a wild card entry in a three-way playoff. Um, one of the best, you know, stories. It was Rudy. It's golf's version of Rudy. It's like the best way I can describe it. That's Except so if cool. Rudy went in and was the starting quarterback of Notre Dame to win a national championship. Right. So much so more it's, on the so line. So it's like even. Rudy, yeah. but like way better. <laughs> That's so cool. Uh, and so it was at the same country club. Absolutely uh just historic venue and the course served perfectly like this is exactly how I, how hard i want the us open to be i don't want it to be so impossible that nobody breaks par but there were only eight or sorry only nine golfers who were under par over the course of the whole week right so you had to play elite level golf to win uh matthew fitzpatrick the british the brit he ends up winning the us open the most overtold storyline of the entire thing, and I think I even mentioned this on last week's podcast, uh, was that Matthew Fitzpatrick also won the U.S. Amateur at the same golf course. So he's now the second man ever, because there was a female golfer who did this as well, but first, uh, the second male golfer ever with Jack Nicholas to win both the U.S. Amateur Open and the U.S. Open at the same golf course, which is an awesome story. Uh, but Sunday was just electric golf, right? Like this is, this is golf when it's at its best, which is you have a stacked up leaderboard. You got Scotty Scheffler, the number one player in the world. You got Zala Torres, who is now finished runner up in three of the four majors, the masters, the PGA championship, and now the U S open he's, and he's 25 years old. But you know what that means? He's due. He's going to win the open next month. <laughs> Or he has to at least finish second. I mean, he's on like a Louis <laughs> Oosthuis and, and uh, type, right. type run right now. Um, and there was so much talk going into the US Open about the live tour and everything else. And we talked about this, Scotty, I know at length, and we've talked about the live tour. The US Open, like, like you had your opening weekend, Saudi golf, cool, congratulations. The US Open just put you in a fucking body bag because there was only – what two players on the live tour who made the cut, which was Patrick Reed and Dustin Johnson, Dustin Johnson finished like two over. wasn't even in the conversation and the PGA tour people absolutely cleaned house and reminded everyone where the best golfers in the world play and why no one's going to give a shit about that league. And so we're not even going to get into it here. I just think it's worth noting there as yeah. well, because the U S open was so great, was so electric down the stretch and I mean, Zal Torres missing that putt. Like, I still don't understand how that putt didn't go in. I thought it was good off the club. Didn't break all day. People in that spot were expecting it to break more than it did, and it didn't. And Zal Torres misses it by an inch. And the whole day they were talking about, on Sunday at least, they were talking about Zal Torres's putter, how uh, when he comes through, he's inside, and the, the club face opens a little bit, and he'd been pushing his putts. Well, well this is the one time he he – you know, hit it, hit a square yeah. putt. And, and that's, you know, he, he he's got the worst putting stroke of all time. Like Vito, I know you're not like a diehard, like following the tour in and out every week, like Scotty yeah, and I, I do. It, a lot but I don't know if like, I but could so tell Zal you what was bad about it. So like I, the only way I can describe it is like the famous Charles Barkley golf swing. Yeah. But if every time he did it, he hit it like two fifty and dead straight. Right. But that's his putter stroke. So when he takes it or like think of a guy like with a free throw where he like has a bunch of hitches in it, but he still makes like 70% of his free throws. Like 
it, it doesn't make like Sean Marion shooting threes. Like it yeah. just, it, it doesn't make sense. And yet this week at the U S open now for the season, he's top five in strokes gained off the tee. He's second in strokes gained from the fairway. Um, and he's uh, top three for strokes gained around the green. So he's chipping and everything on the season. He's tied for 164th on tour for strokes gained putting. So hmm. he's a terrible putter, yeah, right? That's, that's not a lead. He was <laughs> tied for 13th and in strokes gained putting at the U.S. Open this week, and yet still had the ugliest putting stroke. So since the major season started, he's kind of corrected some of it. It looks so ugly, but so many of them fall in. But Scotty, you made a great point, and I haven't heard a lot of people say this because I had the same thought. It was a really smooth stroke on 18. Mm -hmm. And he just, I think he hit it where he wanted to hit it. He hit it with great pace and he just pulled it a little bit, man. And Scotty Scheffler missed a seven footer that would have put him at six under, you know, and, and there were yeah. missed opportunities. But Matt Fitzpatrick, man, teeing off on 18, hooks that three wood into the, into the bunker, right? And now I'm sitting there watching, like, oh, we're about to get this epic finish. You know, we're going to the playoff. There's no way he's going to be able to even, you know, par would be a, a, an amazing score from where he was. It was the one place you can't hit a ball. They said, on the, you know, foul, not Falda, but whoever was doing it for NBC, the one place you cannot hit the ball off the tee. And he was clubbing down with the three wood. He hit into that frontside bunker with yes. the nasty lip out. He hits a high fucking cut. 162 yards. It was one of the, the most unbelievable pin. shots I've ever seen. And Duck it, man. That yeah. thing had super glue on it. It didn't move. It didn't spin back. It stuck. We're in the one spot that he needed it to do. And it was an unreal. I'll say it now. It was the best golf shot of the season so far. Oh, yeah. Given the circumstances and the context. I mean, that that shot, a high fade from 162 yards out, isn't just an unhuman-like golf shot. And the balls to pull it off there. I mean, I thought he was going to try to lay it up and try to up and down for par. And he's, he went after, especially on 18 where they have that big bunker guarding the face of it. And it's elevated about eight feet off of the fairway uh, with the pin protecting it. Uh, the, the pin placement was protected because it was up on the front side. I, it was just an unbelievable yeah. moment. And, and I think that's uh, some of what, we saw especially late Saturday and through Sunday was the guys that, and how many lead changes do we have, uh, you know, throughout the last two days of the tournament, but the guys who were making pushes and pushing themselves were the guys that were attacking the course mm -hmm. as difficult as it was and not, you know, uh, all right, let me just get my, my pars here and keep myself in the thing. Like guys like Damon did. Right. Well, and think um, about not only that, think about Scotty Scheffler, right? Cause yeah. On Saturday, Scotty Scheffler goes out and shoots what three under, four under on the front nine, Correct. yeah, and then blows up on the no, back. It was on nine. Sunday, yeah. No, no, no. He did it both days. Oh, yeah. Saturday, Saturday, I think he was four under on the front nine, and then ended up shooting like even, or I think he ended up shooting like one over on the day, and blew up on the back nine, and then he comes out on Sunday and attacked the front nine again because he had the confidence to go out and do that. To your point, Scotty, and then on the back nine on Sunday ended up not falling up. He played better on the back nine on Sunday than he did on Saturday. But he, I mean, he got to six under at the turn for the tournament on Saturday yep. because he went, he was just lights out on the front. 
but then he struggled on the back and he lost that confidence as he got to the back down. Like it looked like somebody flipped the switch in his brain where like all of a sudden just that little bit of like, I was in this, the exact same spot where he was three under on the front on Sunday, just like he was the day before. But that little bit of lack of confidence because he blew up on Saturday was enough to affect him. And, and I, he did not hit the putts or the shots that he needed to on the back. That being said, Scotty Scheffler's still in the middle of one of the most unbelievable seasons we've seen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think this is the best singular season we've had since probably Brooks right. when he I was, oh, yeah. well, I was going to say either Brooks or you can go back a little bit before that and say Spieth. Um, yeah. The only difference is Brooks only really won at majors that year. He won the U.S. Open and the PGA back to back. He didn't win a whole lot on was an animal. <laughs> but the yeah, the 2014 Spieth when he won the Masters by like 20 saying. strokes. And that was my freshman year, end of my freshman year. Or maybe it was 2015. That was 2015. Cause it was a uh, spring of my freshman year of college and Spieth was just on another fucking planet. Um, but it was great. I mean, Rory, you know, hanging around in the mix, um, the amount of weight that dude's carrying on his shoulders right now is basically being the face of, of the PGA tour. Yeah. Um, especially with Ty, you know, which I think he's the most equipped to do right now. You know, I think if tiger's around, like tiger's kind of in this like other world where it's like, he's, you we associate him with the PGA tour because he's tiger woods and because of his career, Yeah, but we don't associate him with the modern day tour. Right. And like, he's like a legend. It's like, it's like when you, you're an old NBA street fan. It's like when you play with stretch all of a sudden, like, like yeah. end of the game, this old guy comes out and just dominates. Like he comes around and everyone wants to see him, but like, you're not expecting him to be in and out competing. It, you're right. It's not the future of golf. It's like a legend coming back to play almost is the way it seems right now. Well, right. Cause, yeah. Cause the majors aren't the PGA tour. Right. You know? So it's like, if he's only playing the majors, which he didn't play in the U S open, which thank God. Cause I, I that think that that course would have would have hurt him well yeah. significantly, and I think he's I think he really wants because July fourteenth, uh, we have the the, the open, um, which is the hundred and fiftieth British Open at and St it's, Andrews. It's where at he's the won old twice. course, yeah. It's at the old course <laughs> in St Andrews, a very significant course for him in his career. So I think I think he wants to be there because he's at the end of the day he's a golf nerd of, amongst everything yeah. else. But like, I would say like. Tiger is an ambassador to the PGA tour at this point. Rory is in a lot of ways, the kind of the face of it, even though he's not winning. I think he's the most recognizable, like perfect example. When we went to the Wells Fargo a couple months ago, Scotty, right? Like the fact that Rory was there meant so much more than if anyone else not named Tiger Woods was there. Yeah. Like, is yeah, the, that's if, where the biggest crowds were. And then maybe that's just the best way to describe it, right? Yeah, I mean, when we when we walk in and he's hitting off the practice tees and we're walking up like, you know, kids at a baseball game watching, <laughs> you know, batting practice, like that's that's the impact that Rory has. So seeing Rory come out and, you know, he got off to a hot start, didn't have a great Saturday, and even still kind of pushed himself down the stretch. He still was under par for the tournament, and he was, again, one of only nine guys to do that. That says a lot. Uh, he also won last week. And I think anytime you win one week and then try to show up the next week and, and win another tournament back to back is fucking hard, especially if it's like, that's one of my always like top rules when betting the majors always fade. Whoever won the week before, even if it is Rory McIlroy, like even if it's one of the best golfers in the world, like still fade them. Cause it's just, 
really hard to do two weeks in a row. Um, but it, it was, I mean, more Kawa showed up too. I mean, he had his worst career round on Saturday in a major. He shot 77 on Saturday. And he went from being in the lead going into Saturday to not even on the leaderboard. And then what does he do? Turns around and shoots a 66. <laughs> shoots 11. Think about how crazy this 11 stroke difference from Saturday to Sunday in, in, in the same golfer. I, I would take that. Well, I think we, <laughs> I think we all would. Um, Hideki Matsuyama fires a 65 bogey free round to uh, put him in solo position of, uh, I think, third or fourth place at three under. Um, just a lot of, lot of really good golf and a stunning golf course. Um, here's an interesting thing here I kept noticing on the broadcast. I had no idea from the aerial shots of they were showing Boston because this this uh, course was in Brookline, Massachusetts, right outside of Boston. So they kept showing the aerial shots. Boston's fucking huge. Yeah, like yeah, the outreach of like how big the city is, like the housing and everything. Where yeah, that's what I mean, like like land mass wise, like I was shocked at like how much it was developed outside of the city. Maybe that's just a dumb guy comment. Well, I don't know. No, you like, know what I found out? This I didn't weekend. realize how big it was. One of my friends was in Boston this weekend and she was saying how I didn't know this. Like, you know, in Philly, we have SEPTA. Everyone has their own like subway station. Oh, yeah. East Coast. Boston, Boston, yeah. same way. You just hop on a boat and you can go to and from anywhere on a boat. That's their public transportation system. And they have bars on them with beer. Yeah. With like New England IPAs. And I'm like, okay, that sounds awesome. We need to get more of those around the country. The Baston Habba. Dude, that you got to get a Sam Adams on the Baston Habba. <laughs> there we you go. You like There's apples? <laughs> you like apples? The wicked. It's a wicked apple. A wicked beer. All right. Once we start doing Boston accents, that usually means we have, it usually means we have to wrap up the pod. So um, anything else here? Uh, do you want to add about the U.S. Open, Scotty? I know you were locked in. You said you won some money. You you had Fitzpatrick. I did. Yeah, I had Fitzpatrick winning in my family pool. So uh, won some money baby. there. Um, yeah, and uh, you know, like you said, it was in Boston where uh, my basketball team won, and then uh, uh, my guy I picked for the U.S. Open won. So good weekend. Thank you, Boston. Appreciate you. <laughs> That's the only time Scotty's going to say that. I did say <laughs> on the pod, by the way, I went. I was solo last week, but I did say Matthew Fitzpatrick was one of my last picks i said i didn't love the pick i said it was going to be trendy because he had won the u.s amateur there but i did have him on my list of people i thought could win so i was happy there i had more Kawa in on that list too he was my favorite going into the week so i thought i had a chance but um nonetheless another awesome major and then we got one more major this year yeah the president's cup coming Doesn't up in the suck? fall but i was texting one- my cousin that i was like i can't believe we only have one major left I okay, feel like but, the Masters just started. But, but <laughs> think about this, okay? Mid-July, British Open or the Open wraps. Then we're like six weeks away from football. Yeah, we get preseason in a couple weeks after oh, that. Like, That's what I'm thinking. Like, we're at that point, oh, that, we are I going to be yeah. all I don't need majors at that football. point, baby. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. 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 So... And because that's, I mean, don't go wrong. I do hate the fact that it's going to be like mid July. It's like, all right, well, then I guess we're not because the next major golf thing will be the FedEx Cup, the BMW. Yeah. And then after the FedEx Cup championship, it'll be the President's Cup. And then we won't care about golf again until the start of the season next year when we get to see Tiger and Charlie Woods play again, like next January. Yeah. Unless Liv takes off. Am I right? (laughs) Yeah. Liv can, I hope Liv tries to make it work on Sundays 
during the during football season uh, or even do, better i hope, I hope they, they do like saturdays tuesdays. and sundays i hope they i hope they just get absolutely crushed by football because see i i hope that i hope that uh everybody has interesting fun. <laughs> i hope i hope they keep the news going because at least it's a way to talk about golf <laughs> nah fuck the saudis mm. and fuck yeah. greg norman um but at the same time they're, the match play stuff that they're doing, I actually think I mean. it's, is it's, cool. That's what I mean. Like, I think it's worthy to like. I hope it does bring. So let's up some do aspects. what the NFL did, right? What did think about all the rules and all the little shit that the NFL stole from the XFL, right? Like the on the field cameras, the sky cam, yeah, uh, just the, all the little shit that they stole. PGA Tour, do it. Yeah, this is a great trial run that you can just take what works, right? Yeah, because the quality of golf is going to be shit on the, yeah, live but the tour. style and the it's it's a good but like a some cool of the stuff they can do yeah. is stuff that like if the pga tour did an event you know where you have colin morkow rory mcelroy john rom you know go through the list and everybody drafts a team right it's like 50 guys qualify for this event and you have five cap or 10 captains and then you pick five players on each one and then they go out and compete like that would be fucking electric yeah. And put it in the FedEx Cups. Like put it in the thing. So that's why it's like, all right, the the majors are done, but right. we have this awesome team event in August, and then we get ready for that before we get ready to go hit the you know football season. That'd be so fun. So let's you know chop chop here, PGA. We can tell DJ to fuck off. He's the only one that he's the only one I miss. I will say, watching him play at the US Open, he was the only one that I like legitimately miss. But all right. Uh, that's all we got. We're going to wrap up the pod. I'm still at the beach. So I got dinner with the folks, uh, Vito, Scotty. Thank you for coming on Scotty. I know you're not feeling great, but you had to come out and rep your warriors. Um, of course. Congrats to Steph Draymond, the team to you, Scotty, the first of the read option crew to, uh, to get a ring. Um, and, uh, we will be back on Friday, which, uh, we'll talk some NBA draft. Mm. Um, and uh, probably a little Stanley Cup finals too. Actually, yeah, might might make a call. I got some friends in the hockey community that have been, I've been itching to reach pop. out to. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, at that point, it might just be like, oh my god, are the Tampa Bay Lightning just getting blown out three yeah. games to none? You but, know, yeah, I think I'm a Broncos fan is because of the Colorado Avalanche. So, I'm have to tell that little fun fact. Uh, well, this for the record, this does not count as a win for you. If the Avalanche win the Stanley Cup, no, it does not count, right? No, okay, I don't consider myself a hockey fan. All same right. with basketball. I like clay, but this isn't a war. I, I don't get the warriors win. You know what I mean? No. It's not the well, same. I subscribed to my grandfather's old rule that if a team used to play in Philadelphia, then they, they can be your second team. There you go. Like no one will you ever beat that. top the Sixers, but the warriors used to be like, the Philadelphia Warriors. You have, you have five of our seven championships as the Warriors. No, 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 does no, Philadelphia. No, so. no, 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 <clears throat> no, they're your second team. They never no. get to be your top team, but they can be your second team. I root for them just like the athletics. I do the same thing with the Oakland athletics. I've done it since I was a kid. But no one will ever touch the Philly teams for me. It's not even close. So I think that's fair. There you go. All right. We'll talk to you guys on Friday. Have a great week. Take it easy, everybody. Bye.